Well, as I said earlier, welcome back to the chapel. It's good to be here and looking forward to the day when more of you will be joining us in the space. My name is Liz Gray and I'm the rector at Incarnation. And it's so good to be worshiping with you in all these different formats uh, today. Actually, one of the things I really love about Zoom is what happens just before the service. And if you have never tuned in at like any time from 4.30 onwards, I encourage you to do so. It's a delightful time. It's a time when the kids and sometimes the grown-ups bring show and tell. And they come and they show us things that they've made or been thinking about or learnt. And it is quite delightful. And I now feel like I know many of our kids much better than I did before. I could tell you, gosh, you should get to know Mary Tobin. She's so great at learning poems. Or have you seen the Galenus's Lego models? Or some of the other children who delight in drawing or making. It's so lovely seeing them come with all their enthusiasm to show and tell week by week. I'm so proud of all the things that they can do. And kids, as you uh, now want something to do, perhaps, while I'm talking, I wonder if you'd like to just think about um, how you would introduce yourself to somebody else, or maybe how you would introduce God to somebody else. If one of your friends said to you, what's so special about God? You could tell them. And so perhaps if you haven't got any ideas, you could ask your parents to, or you could find that Psalm, Psalm 89 we were just read. That's got some lovely images of God in it. But maybe you could think about some of the things you love about him and you could draw them or write about them and then show them to us after the service in the kind of post-service show and tell. I wonder how you do introduce yourself to other people. There's all sorts of things that people might notice about me. So I brought some props. You might know about me that I've got family who I really, really love. So here's a whole picture of me and our kids just before uh, last year at a wedding. Remember when people could still stand close together like that? I mean, isn't that a happy memory? Or perhaps um, the fact that I'm South African. So I brought my one of my favorite giraffes. I like him because he's got a broken ear, and somehow his brokenness kind of appeals to me. I also love maths, so I was going to bring a little maths joke, but I thought that might be a bit nerdy. So if you want a maths joke, email me later. I'll send it to you. But when you think about the things that you're delighted in, the things that you're proud of, what did that script, those scriptures just say? They used pride in a slightly different way, perhaps. But before we get to that, let's think about the things that we are proud of. When Simon and I arrived in America nearly ooh, 13 years ago now, one of the things we noticed is that actually Americans are very proud of being American. And that was quite kind of delightful. There's also different sorts. So you might have some national pride. I used to teach ESL. And one of my favorite lessons was when the students would come and they would talk about the things that they were proud about their country for. And often those included national dress, or songs, or traditions, or recipes, things which gave them delight about their country. Hear the word pride in June, and you'd probably think about sexual identity pride. And you'll think, notice many of the pride parades that are happening around this time of year. LGBTQI people gathering together and taking time to talk about their pride in their sexual identity. 
These are often people whose sense of identity has been a matter of shame or hiddenness. And so it's very important for them to be able to corporately and publicly acknowledge their sense of self. Or perhaps you've noticed in the streets recently people debating historical pride. We see people thinking more clearly about the symbols that we construct to help us to remember history. And it's why in a time of realignment, we see maybe a reversal of decisions in the past. So both here and in the UK and around the world, statues are coming down of people who perhaps oppressed or enriched themselves at the expense of the lives of others. There is a move to rename and reevaluate our icons to express a more wholesome ideology, looking for things that we want to represent our values and ideals, the kind of images that we want to be able to tell out the children amongst us stories of, to tell them things to be proud of, people who inspire us by their deeds. I could go on, but I've probably already used several times the word pride, which makes us kind of anxious. Because after all, pride is often described as the worst of the seven deadly sins. Yet many of the ways we use it casually are quite delightful. So what did our readings have to say today about pride? That reading from Isaiah, the haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. God is quite clear. The lofty pride of man and woman, of people, will be crushed. And then God will be exalted. And then Romans, Paul brought it kind of personal because he says we have to lay down our old self in order to step into a new sense of self. And so we have to disentangle what is the self that we have to lay down. Does that mean I have to stop being a South African math-loving grandmother? Not at all. It's an opportunity for all those things ultimately to be brought into technicolor, not stay in broken monochrome. This is a clear opportunity to step into more of who I am externally. But in order to do so, there are things within myself that need to be crushed. And then in that gospel reading from Matthew chapter 10, Jesus rather disturbingly said that the transition from the old self to the new has the potential to tear apart households, to cause division and discord. How can that be so? Well, being true to the person that God is calling you to be will involve God crushing some of our pride or all of our pride, all of our misplaced security, which will have knock-on effects on our households, extended families, and our culture. Because some of the things we've got to lay down are the very things we've become proud of in a very complicated social and cultural web. And this is where we treat, tread very carefully. This is where we begin to explore spaces that are hard and complicated in our own lives. And so today, whatever you feel about statues and monuments, marches, protests, values, identities, take note. Many of these are externals, but every external is built on an internal foundation. 
So a pretty obvious analogy is a tree. Actually, we could look at this plant with foliage that we can all see depending on a root system which is largely invisible. Perhaps like this, the leaves are beautiful. But if the roots aren't great, then the plant will wither and die. And this is what so happen, often happens with people and cultures. We spend so much time cultivating the external or trying to be someone we feel we should be as we respond to our cultural setting that we forget to take note of our internal foundations. And some people live and die like that. And the weight of our projected foliage can crush who we truly are. So before you look at somebody else's foliage or our cultural foliage, each of us needs to check out our roots and our connectedness to the God who loves us. It matters that I'm a maths-loving South African, but what matters far more is my confidence in the truth that God loves me, that I am secure in knowing that when I turn to my Father, He is there waiting, and my certainty that He forgives me that he is ready to take on my brokenness, to crush my sin, and that he will offer to nourish my root system, to give it solidity. And once he's done that, he will use it, us to address the foliage problems in our society. So today, we need to ask God to crush our haughtiness and to feed our longing to see him exalted. But it's not enough to just tend to your roots. You have to then engage. Because the brokenness hidden in the foliage in our culture is our responsibility. Because there are systems and places in our society which are vacuous and evil. And we have a responsibility to rip down the foliage around them and to address the root system. When we see racism, discrimination, idolatry, we have to act but only of a position of dependent humility. Perhaps some statues and, and statutes need to be brought down, but for far more importantly, we need to address the root systems that constructed them, the systems that put them in place. Last week, as a community, we watched the movie Just Mercy, the story about the quite remarkable lawyer, Brian Stevenson, Towards the end, uh, there's a clip of him speaking in the, uh, to the U.S. Senate in 1993. This is what he said. Proximity has taught me some basic and humbling truths, including this vital lesson. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. My work with the poor and the incarcerated has persuaded me that the opposite of poverty is not wealth, the opposite of poverty is justice. Finally, I've come to believe that the true measure of our commitment to justice, the character of our society, our commitment to the rule of law, fairness and equality, cannot be measured by how we treat the rich, the powerful and the privileged and the respected among us. The true measure of our character is how we treat the poor, the disfavored, the accused, the incarcerated, and the condemned. Okay, so what do we do? Well, Martin Luther's king advice was that as Christians, we must dedicate ourselves to the lives, of Christ, to, lives to the cause of Christ. 
which means we have to love more. We need to get our skin in the game. This week at Provincial Council, our Archbishop Foley Beach said this, when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his father so fearlessly called us to this kind of love in nonviolent acts, people noticed, people responded, and change occurred. So we need to act out of knowing that our roots are, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and that we have been given much. We have so much capacity, education, and confidence above all that God's kingdom will come, and we have a part to play. Two weeks ago, I asked you to consider some small things, some small steps you will take to learn and to listen. And then last week, Amy invited us all into a week of lament. But this week, how will you show your love for your neighbor? What will you do? What will the small things be that will favor the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized? What will people notice about the way you are this week? I've been reading this book, and it's got a lovely section at the end. I mentioned this in a blog uh, last week, in my letter from Liz last week. It's got a great set of things. It's got a whole chapter on things you can do. But some of the suggestions are things like, if you enter a store and notice that you're being given preferential treatment over a person of color, will you step back and encourage them to go first? When you're walking down a sidewalk and, there's an and you realize that somebody's coming towards you who has less power or less standing in this world, will you be the one who steps into the road? If you see an interaction between two people of different power, will you step in? When your voice is asked for first in a work meeting, will you defer to someone who may not be called on as frequently? If you witness someone's core identity being challenged, ignored, or belittled, will you speak? Will you write a letter, perhaps, to your representative or governor? It's good to be woke. It's good to learn, but it's not enough. We have to get uncomfortable. We have to speak up. We have to look at our roots and decide the kind of people Christ made us to be. And above all, to do it in humility, to do it standing first of all in the confidence that we have prayed and that we have asked God to use us and move us. There's a lovely quote from Charles Spurgeon. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. We need to pray and then we need to step out. So this week, I encourage you, tend to your roots and then start living in a way that will exalt the name of Christ. We're going to head into a time of reflection now. And as we are quiet, will you ask God to bring to mind any moments where you have failed to speak up on behalf of someone else? When you have ignored someone with less power than yourself? When you have walked past injustice? Will you ask for forgiveness? Will you ask for your pride to be crushed, and that of our culture. Sometimes it's helpful to turn our hands upside down as we release things to God, and then to ask for an opportunity this week to reflect your status as a beloved child of God.
of someone with really well-watered roots, of someone who knows who they are and where your identity is to be found. Ask for opportunities to step out in the pride of being a beloved child of God, to see him reflected in our neighborhoods by the ways we know and love and serve our neighbors. Let us be people of courage and humility so that Christ can be exalted in and beyond the spaces we inhabit. Amen.